where is this song coming from? Why is this here? Welcome to the Euro What from WhatElseIsOn.tv. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by my fellow WEIO Eurovision News and Entertainment Research Division specialists, Ryan Brazell and Ben Smith. Howdy, folks. Hey, Mike. Hey. How's everyone doing this week? Um, it's good. How, how, how have things been for you? All right. Uh, yeah, there's a plague going around Chicago, and it was my turn to experience it. So uh, hopefully it won't be too obvious in uh, my voice this week. So I'm dealing with a little bit of a frog in my throat this week, too, but that's mostly just from yelling excitedly when we got correct answers at a puzzle competition. Awesome. Ryan, how are things going with you? Things are great. I am so excited that Eurovision is starting. I just had lunch with uh, dinner, excuse me, with a friend and uh, spent, I think, about half of that time talking about how excited I was. Um, and they were <laughs> very indulgent in letting me do so. So, yay, Eurovision! Yay! <laughs> awesome. I, I, which is great because I think we actually have like a listener question now. We do, in fact. So, this is a question that I feel like we probably all answer a lot as we talk to our. American friends who have no idea what the Eurovision Song Contest is, right? And that is what counts as Europe for the purposes of the Eurovision Song Contest. So I thought that this might be something that would be good to explain to our listeners. So the Eurovision Song Contest, um, in order to participate, you have to be a member of the European Broadcasting Union, which is like Europe plus, right? It's Europe and a bunch of other countries, right? That includes Azerbaijan, it includes uh, a lot of North African countries. Morocco competed once a long time ago. Um, I feel like Egypt might be part of that. So there's a lot of countries that are not, when we think of Europe, there are countries outside of that that actually can compete in the contest. The most egregious one, I feel like, is Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's been sort of like a weird case where they've been... They'd... It's like they've let the, the kind of weird stockery fan join the show now. <laughs> exactly. And so the idea is that for the purposes of the Eurovision Song Contest, Europe is not just like geographical Europe. It's um, countries who are members of the European Broadcasting Union. That includes Australia, I think. Did they basically pay a bunch of money to become an EBU member or did they just pay a bunch of money? To get into Eurovision, I, I'm not. I, th- I think that according, I think they're like a junior member of the EBU, okay, so I think you. it's some sort of special agreement where they give a certain amount of money and they get to do Eurovision. So basically, what the second thing you said, but also kind of the first thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I know that the EBU has different levels of membership, uh, where there's like an associate membership and. Uh, if you're syndicating content from EBU members, sort of like the way that uh, PBS uh, will syndicate BBC uh, dramas on like Masterpiece Theater or something, like the U.S. has one level of uh, EBU membership, not the level that would allow the U.S. to compete in Eurovision, God forbid. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's te- it's still technically an EBU membership. Right. So as we talk about the Eurovision Song Contest and countries that are competing, just because a country is not European does not mean it cannot compete, right? Countries that are outside of geographical Europe, Turkey 
is one of those which I wish they would come back, but probably not anytime soon. Um, uh, Israel? Israel, exactly. Israel continues to be a member of the EBU, which means that they get to be at Eurovision every year. Did, did I hear recently that Kazakhstan is trying to gain entry into the EBU as well? I, there, there are always like a few that get tossed around of... It's either countries that have been part of the EBU and are no longer just because of money reasons, because it's not financially prudent for them to be part of the contest. And I think, I think that that is one of the countries that always pops up. The other ones are things like Liechtenstein and Andorra, where these are small principalities that have at one point or another participated and in some cases won. But now just the cost of being part of the EBU is just not in their budget. And I think like things like Morocco also get pitched every year as, oh, they might join this year. This might be the year. Right. So that, that in general, Europe for the purposes of Eurovision is not geographical Europe. It is that and then a bunch of other usually contiguous, geographically contiguous countries and then Australia. I, I like the description of it as Europe plus like it's a cable plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. The way that I always think about it is like how Detroit can get Canadian uh tv stations and can uh and like windsor ontario can get uh american tv stations there's just that kind of like overflow area uh that kind of stretches beyond the beyond borders which i think is part of the eurovision mission so that's right that's right Thank you for that question, Ryan. Catching up with uh, what's been happening since our last episode, uh, there's been a lot of movement in the various selection processes, and we thought we'd kind of do a rundown of what's been happening in the last week or so. Uh, By the way, most of these processes are streamable uh, if you want to watch them. Uh, We'll have the full listing on eurovision.whatelseison.tv. So feel free to tune in if you're free on Saturday afternoons. Uh, There's a lot to watch uh, if you're really into the competition aspect uh, of the Eurovision experience. And like the nice thing about the selection process is that it happens at like 2 p.m. in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. You can watch this and then go about the rest of your life. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it should not interfere. Like if you're if you're into football or baseball or like any other sport, it's just the same sort of time commitment. You don't have to give up your Saturday night, which is great. Yeah, you don't have to give up your Saturday night. You can fold your laundry while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of these, the vast majority of these processes are going to be something you can keep one ear on while you do something else. A <laughs> uh, main news item that uh, has come from like the official Eurovision bigwigs uh, is the announcement of who will be hosting the main event in May. This year, uh, they're making a big deal because it's the first time that four women will be hosting uh, the competition. Uh, those women are Philomena uh, Cautella, Silvia Alberto, Daniela Rua, and Katerina Furtado. Uh, the name that's probably the most familiar to an American audience would be uh, Daniela Rua. Uh, she is on NCIS Los Angeles, a show I've never seen. I don't know. Has anybody else on the panel <laughs> watched that? It. It's on CBS, which means it's run for 12 seasons and is great for leaving on while your cat, while your cat is <laughs> um, Sorry, CBS. I did not know that NCIS had an LA edition, so I learned something okay. today. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure she's fine. Um, I'm sure she's very nice. Yeah. I, I think it's refreshing that after last year when we had three dudes, Portugal is going, oh, we can match that. Also, now we have four of them and they're all women. Yes, although it would be nice if they had picked four women that were differently talented. Um, I feel like one thing that we see a lot with Eurovision hosts is that you need somebody who is good at comedy. Um, we saw that with Pietra Mere in 2013 and with her and Mons 
last year. Um, they were both good at comedy. They were or at least decent at comedy. They were both good at music. They were both good at presenting. I feel like I don't know that much about all of these four people, but I did do a little bit of research on them. None of them have a background in comedy or in music. So we just have four presenters, which is not, like more isn't necessarily better in this context. So I'm a little bit concerned about the actual quality of the presentation of this show. That, I think that's fair. And I, I completely agree with you. I think that the best presenters that we see are people who are skilled in multiple areas as an entertainer. I think about uh, going back to Sweden, like the presenter that they've had for uh, Melody Festival and their sort of their, their internal selection process the last couple of years is somebody who has been a former contestant. The skill set you need to be you have as a Eurovision performer translates nicely to presenting your national final or even your Eurovision Song Contest because you it's you at least understand the beats of comedy and why things are funny. Uh, you're able to present and you know be clear and you're able to understand the music side of it. Well it's very similar to like the award it's award season here in the United States, right? And Neil Patrick Harris has done a great job of hosting the Tonys. Hugh Jackman as well was a great presenter because he could do all of those things right so it's that same kind of skill set that you need for an award show is very similar to the skill set you need for eurovision and i don't at least on paper i'm not seeing that any of these four people have it individually or and i'm not seeing that they have it collectively either i mean on the, on the plus side with four hosts instead of three they will now have one person who can handle sort of the music side of things a second person who can handle the comedy they can just figure out which one which which of you is funniest you're the comedy person now uh, we can have one person whose job it is to read the votes, and we have a fourth person, so that person can just be the designated person who has to speak all the French stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, four people, I'm not sure what, like, there's enough stuff to do. Like, it, it's almost awkward enough when there's three. I was, about to say, I was just about to say, it's crowded enough when there's three. Why do you need a fourth person? I think we're going to be in for more really super awkward green room stuff, which is not necessarily a positive. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, it's probably going to be a case of people being delegated to the green room or like remote segments, like outside with the fans. And it's just like, no, 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 thank no, you. Thank, but, no. <laughs> I, like, I like that we're so thrilled about interactions outside of this, the, <laughs> the stadium. Like, we're just thrilled. I mean, on the other hand, like, that is one of the reasons I watch is because there is a certain stiltedness to the presenters. But on the other hand, the the solution to that to the sort of awkwardness is not well. We'll just have more of them. I'm just waiting for like three years from now where they just keep upping like the hosting game, and it's just going to end up being like hosts. that Time magazine where it's just like you are the host, and there's just going to be like mirrors floating everywhere. So. Twenty people forming a human pyramid as part of the opening number, and they're all hosting. Oh man. <laughs> Um, we should put a copyright on that now, just so that when that yeah. does happen, we can be like, hey, we called this. So. Yep. You owe us money, European Broadcasting Union. Yeah, uh, yep. dear European Broadcasting Union, please give us money. We also have a bunch of selection updates uh, that are happening. Uh, a bunch of countries are just kind of moving along in their process, either announcing who their acts are, or releasing songs, or even actually beginning their uh, telecasts. Uh, first up on our list is Lithuania. Uh, Ryan, do you want to take that? Sure. So Lithuania is doing a multi-stage process, very similar to sort of Sweden's Melody Festivalen model, 
where um, between now and March 10th, is that the final? I forget when the final is now. March Um, question mark. March question mark. Yeah, March something. Uh, Oh, sorry, March 3rd. Each week they will take a group of songs and they will narrow that down. There will be sort of a winner of each heat and then a number of other a number of other songs that move on to the to the next round. And so you're starting I think Heat 1 had like 13 songs and so now they now have like 6 or 7 songs. So they're yeah, they're not winning very quickly is the point. Yes, they have 6 out of the 13 proceed to the next round. So the last round is going to anyway. They have a lot of songs is my point. <laughs> and Lithuania is not a country that is necessarily known for the quality of their songs this past year in particular. I think their song um, was by a group called Fused Mark. I really enjoyed the song in some ways, and I still listen to it occasionally, but it was weird even by Eurovision standards, and I Europe didn't really warm up to it very quickly. So Lithuania has not... Do either of you remember if they've had really any success in the past, like, five years? Um, they were in top ten in 2016. Yeah, so they they sent Donnie Martell oh, for a that's second right. time, and he did pretty good. He did a pretty good job that second time. I totally forgot about Donnie Martell. You're absolutely right. I've been waiting for this night. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, which weirdly enough, Boston people popped up in the background of Broadway on Boston's ad. Like I was just sitting at uh, during an SNL ad break, and was just weirded out because like, what? Where is this song coming from? Why is this here? So anyway, Lithuania just finished their first heat last weekend and so they are down they narrowed from 13 to 6 songs in that heat there's not a lot to really talk about specifically from that um there was one entry the the entry that won the heat it's called when we're old and it reminded me visually a lot of denmark's winning entry from 2013 um only teardrops and so that okay it it did it it, you know had a, a woman with long hair and a long flowing dress barefoot sitting on the stage which was sort of the main, the entry visual for Denmark in 2013. So we'll see that a lot of songs will try to copy what previous winners have done. The winner of Heat 1 from Lithuania definitely is hearkening back to that. Some of the other songs were really, really bad. (laughs) I'm not going to get into details on how or why they were bad or even which ones were bad. I will leave that to you to determine for yourselves. One thing that I really appreciate about this part of the process because so many countries have these selection processes and even those of us who really care about Eurovision cannot keep up with all of them. If you are, are, are at all interested in keeping up with what countries are doing that is not just the song that they send to the grand final, there are always people on YouTube who create these like my top 13 or whatever where all like there's 13 songs so their top 13 are all of the songs. But what they'll do is they'll give you a 30 second clip from each one so you can very quickly see in a given heat, is there a song that at all piques your interest that you might want to investigate further? So in six minutes, you can have a very quick recap of Lithuania's first heat. And so that's a really effective way mm-hmm. of sort of following along with Lithuania's selection process, as well as some of the other ones, particularly the ones that come with, you know, lots of songs like Melody Festival from Sweden. Right. So it sounds like with something like Lithuania, where it at this point, it's much more of a quantity experience than a quality experience. <laughs> Sticking to the 30-second clips might be best. Yes, I would agree with that. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, Mike. Not really. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lith- Lithuania, it's its colloquially referred to as the marathon, and it really can feel like it sometimes. Like, I remember, I watched all of Heat 1. I have zero memories of Heat 1, except for one song where in my notes I put, I hate this, and that one finished in last place. So I'm at, at least having a mind meld with uh, the Lithuanians, but... 
Yeah, so kind of the opposite of the quantity concern uh, is Switzerland, which thankfully has only six songs competing in their national final. Uh, Ben, do you want to talk about that? Yes, yes I do. So with Switzerland, we have six songs competing on February 4th for them to figure out which one they're going to send. And with Switzerland, at least with the last few years in particular, all of their entries are perfectly nice. They're decent. Well, actually, decent. Oof. The fact that I'm backtracking on decent is not great news there. Let, let me let me put it this way. Switzerland's entries for the last few years to me have felt like the generic fill-in that, that a sitcom would use or like a Hallmark original movie would use because they can't afford the actual song. So like two years ago, we had Rika with some perfectly nice electro-pop song whose title has just, has just flown from my brain. Uh, but it just felt very kind of Church's Light. It was like, you know, if I couldn't listen to Church's, this would do. But it's in the, in the scope of the contest, it, it's easily, it, it easily just sort of falls to like that 11th place out of 10. It's the last of our kind, by the way. There we go. Thank you. But, but yeah, like, and listening to the pack this year, there was, like, the, the entry that I was drawn to the most. I was like, this is pretty great. And, then, and I'm like, yeah, but this also just kind of sounds like Shawn Mendes. And I kind of just want to listen to Shawn Mendes, the Shawn Mendes song instead of this one. So, like, again, like, I feel like I'm not doing a great job of selling this. I think, I mean, I like the fact that it's just like, okay, these are our six songs. We sort of internally narrowed it down to this group, but we're going to trust you guys to pick the best one. I don't know, like, I at least kind of want to know who comes out of this on February 4th as the winner, just to see if it, if it is, in fact, the one that I thought was the best, or if there's something that, that appealed more to Switzerland. Have you guys had a chance to check this out? Is this something that, where it sounds like you want to check it out, even though I've done a terrible job of really making the case for it? I listened to, again, another one of those, my top six, because six is all of the songs. I liked Alejandro Reyes, who I think is the Shawn Mendes guy that you were referring to. Yes. When I, number one, I legitimately like his voice. I think it's nice to know that there's at least one really good vocalist. I immediately upon hearing him thought, oh, his sound, his song sounds a lot like Shape of You, Ed Sheeran's song, or he sounds a lot like Ed Sheeran. And so I was like, oh, let me look up what else he's done. And like the second result on YouTube was him doing a cover of Shape of You. So it's definitely like, if that's kind of the music that you're into... I think there's, and there's another one too, I think in Switzerland, who sort of have that same kind of Ed Sheeran vibe. So if that's the kind of music you're into, I think Switzerland might be a compelling lesson this year. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised because I've not been a Switzerland fan in the past, but I actually like two of the songs that are uh, in contention. So uh, that's exciting. Yeah, listening to the uh, Alejandro Reyes song, I believe it's called Compass. I really like what he's doing, and I just I hope that if that's the one that gets selected, it gets kind of one more pass on the lyrics. Like it feels like it's sort of ninety percent there, and it could just be just just needs a little bit of tweaking here or there, and it could be a real contender and just something really enjoyable. I think that there's a lot of potential with that song, and it just needs a little little fine tuning, a little editing, and it, it could be really great. The other the other song that I really like is Stones, and part of that may just be it. It's the first that uh, item on the playlist that was put together by uh, SRF. I think that's the broadcaster, and it's a strong song to start a playlist with. And uh, it had me continue to listen to the rest of the playlist. And be like, all right, I'm I'm buying what Switzerland is selling this year. I also one point I wanted to make about Alejandro Reyes. We do not often see p- people on the Eurovision stage with visible disabilities. 
Um, mm-hmm. We almost had one last year before the Russia-Ukraine thing just went all to hell. So I go Alejandro Reyes for that as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also with only six entries this year is uh, Czech Republic. Uh, they uh, are kind of – they're doing a very interesting process this year. It's a mix of online voting and jury voting without a televised final. They've put all six songs on YouTube, and I believe it's uh, they're also available on the Eurovision app. And you can watch the videos and then vote on which one is your favorite. And uh, anybody can vote, but the only votes that are going to count are ones from people in Czech Republic – And then that's going to combine with votes of an international jury. And they're revealing results on the 22nd, which I think are, I'm not sure if that's the viewer votes or the jury votes or sort of like, this is what the status is right now. You have one more week to vote after that. The process is a little unclear, but we should know who the actual finalist is uh, on the 29th. Have either of you had a chance to listen to those tracks? Nope. I skimmed through them and thought that, well, A, I thought it was really, really interesting how they were doing their voting this year. Mm-hmm. I sort of wonder if it's going to, if they're just sort of like the test balloon for if this is something that could be a little bit more widespread, especially since they're utilizing that Eurovision app. I, I really hope that with the actual presentation of this, they do something where they at least let like the top three give a performance as, as like a final. Maybe do do all of this beforehand, but still give like a venue for like some sort of live performance. Hmm. And that's actually just thinking, just talking through that now. That's something that that I wonder about, because I think part of what makes a good Eurovision entry is someone who who can not only perform that song but can perform it well and have stage presence. And if you're really only limiting it to just this pre-recorded track, you're not necessarily going to have as good as good of as an idea as to whether this person can perform this song well on the stage. That's a really good point, particularly because the videos that they have on YouTube are mostly lyric videos, so you're not even seeing them performing to a lip-sync performance of this. Right. It's just still still photos of the singer or the band. One thing I liked about their videos is that there was a very unified style to them. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't a case where like one artist was clearly more promoted or had a better resource or better budget. They just did all of them in the exact same style which I thought was a nice unifi- unifying factor, I guess. Yeah. Also, it seems like these uh, the six contenders are pretty well-established artists in Czech Republic. Uh, like, going onto Spotify, almost all of them had, like, the little blue check mark for the art, uh, on their artist page. So the, these aren't newbies. So that offers a little bit of hope, I think. Right. I, th- I think as far as, like, the, the songs themselves, like, in general, I didn't, feel like any of them really clicked with me or felt like yes this is the one this is better i i think the one that that felt the most like that for me was like the second one in this playlist that we had of high on love yeah that was the one that i responded to too and actually i think that was the one i voted for because the eurovision app works here in the states uh even though my vote's not going to count for anything uh (laughs) i still wanted to make my voice heard Okay. <laughs> but yeah, just other entries. I thought that one grabbed me the most as feeling the you know feeling like the right venue, the right song. But again, like I think that there's like a you know there's really it's anybody's game. Mm-hmm. It really depends on what the Czech Republic wants to send this year. I feel like we in last week's episode we previously discussed that there are nations where it really feels like they have very varied taste, and I feel like I've seen very good ballads from them. I've seen some more more interesting stuff. So it'll be interesting to see, especially with this new approach, what comes out of that. 
So kind of sticking with an old approach would be Belarus, uh, which held auditions for, I believe it was like 93 entries last week, uh, which you could have watched all of that on on their live stream if you got up at three in the morning uh, central time, which I did not do. And uh, from those 93, 11 were selected for, to compete in the final that will be taking place on February 16th. And I believe it was today, it was reported on WeWeBlogs, uh, which is a UK-based uh, Eurovision fan site, uh, that half of the Belarusian field is uh, threatening to withdraw from the competition because one of the entries uh, may violate a, a rule that usually has a big asterisk next to it. According to the Eurovision rules, a song cannot have any sort of public performance or publishing uh, prior to September 1st. And the song Forever by Alexiev apparently was performed in concerts uh, back in May. And yeah, the people who are threatening to withdraw are just like, yeah, it seems like this is sort of a predetermined winner and we don't want to be part of a sham process. Uh, Which, if you're at all familiar with Belarus's Eurovision uh, selection process... um, it's largely a sham. Yeah, yeah. Sh- sham is a great word to describe it, but that's what makes it fun. It's why I love Belarus. So. I guess, so one question I had just from watching the videos of sort of the 11 that were selected is the audition process just literally a couple cameras just on the auditions just as they were going through, or it literally just plays all 90-something songs? I believe it was the former, uh, where it's uh, they just have a room set up. The judges are sitting at tables and they have the two cameras set up uh, just to watch it. I mean, it's consistent with what they did last year uh, with okay. their audition process. But yeah, just like watching the videos, it it felt a little public access. Mm-hmm. I think that was of the all the entries I watched, that was a playlist where I think whoever pulled the videos for YouTube had them in mono because like uh, the sound was only coming in through one of my headphones. I had to check that my headphones weren't broken. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Which really uh, different countries with different budgets. Uh, but yeah, like it, it felt, I felt like I was watching something I maybe wasn't supposed to be watching. I found this this drama that we found out about today really, really interesting. And like the song that the that Alexi song is like in the middle of the playlist we have. And like as it, as I was sort of going through the entries before, I was like, okay, this, it must be the case that they're worried about this song. I, I was honestly expecting it to be way better, considering it raised that much of an issue. Like I I don't understand why the other contestants are that. Con- are that concerned like of the entries i there was this electro duo shuma that was like right at the end of the playlist that was way more intriguing to me as a eurovision entry compared to a lot of the other stuff that that is on their short list yeah there's one entry I, i don't recall which one offhand where like the first 30 seconds is the woman sitting plaintively on a stool as a guy is like <laughs> yes. faffing about. And it's just like, um, yeah, you've got three minutes. You need to move this along, honey. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I was watching that video going, Oh, is this one like, Oh, is this one like a four minute video? And this is just set up. No, no, that's part of the song. And like a large portion of it is really faffing about is the best description of what happens where it's like, Oh, she, she's sitting there. A guy in a mask comes in and takes off his blazer and puts it around her, and then the song still doesn't begin for like another fifteen seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'm sure that one is probably going to end up uh, in top three uh, in the final. That that's that's my wager right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Belarus does have a track record of putting not necessarily the best songs onto the Eurovision stage. 
True. Ah, uh, and in that vein, let's talk about France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a beautiful oh, segue. Yes. What a beautiful. Uh, yeah. Uh, so France has the luxury of uh, being part of the Big Five, which we'll talk about in more detail in a later episode. But basically what that means is they get a uh, pass to the grand final. They don't have to compete in the semifinals. So they can put whatever they want as long as it's three minutes or shorter. This year they're doing an internal selection process. Oh, sorry. No, they're doing a public selection process. The first semifinal aired this past Saturday. It was the fourth trending topic on worldwide Twitter while that show was airing, which good for them. The second semifinal will be airing this Saturday. Uh, if you go to yourvision.whatelseison.tv, you can uh, see the listing for that there, and then also click on the link to actually watch the show live. Any Anybody have any thoughts about France? We could probably talk about uh, them more in depth once the full final field is set up. I have a lot of thoughts about France, but not about this particular Eurovision slate from France. <laughs> Just make that yeah. clear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I like... Like, I like that they are going back to, okay, we're going to let you pick it. Admittedly, the last time they did that, uh, it did not go well. They came in last place. On the other hand, the times that they've done an internal selection in the last few years, they've ended up near last place. Uh, again, I think it's good that they're bringing things back to the people instead of just saying, here is our sad torch song. The last two years, I think they've done a really good job of making strong choices that have a relevant pop sensibility yes where they run into trouble is they have like a four and a half minute song and then they have to like constrain it to three minutes and french is not a language that you can constrain so like there's no time for the singers to breathe uh in delivering the songs so Mm -hmm. i like that they're changing up the process so that they're guaranteeing themselves three minute songs but it, it feels like they're not sticking to the courage of their convictions but we'll see perhaps the second semifinal will have a revelation that'll be like ah this is amazing i hope this wins so yeah if nothing else they're setting themselves up for success instead of starting with a four minute song and trying to cut it down to three minutes right i think for me the biggest problem with france in the eurovision song contest the last few years is that it's like they have some compulsion to make the Frenchiest French thing that ever did French, right? Like last year it was our visual component has to be entirely made up of the Eiffel Tower over and over and over and over. And a couple of years ago, it was that like, that like revolution, like, like French revolution, like visuals with the drummers, like cascading behind the lead singer. Like they just, they cannot get away from this. Like we must be as French as possible, which of course, it, that's France. That is what they do, right? They yeah. have, like, people with swords that defend the French language. Like, of course that that's what they're going to do. On the other <laughs> hand, Ryan, I, th- I think to your point is, I think my favorite French entry ever was, I think, and I think this goes back to 08 or 09, is Sebastian Tellier's Divine, where it, and again, like, the entire presentation is not about them being super, super French. It's just three minutes of weirdness that seemed to know it wasn't going to win. Like, it's, he has female backing singers who are wearing beards so that they, so that they look like him. Was that and, like, the one? He rolls in in a golf cart. Yes, I was just gonna ask. Was that the one where he like drove in in like a little, a little tiny car? Yes, he drives in in a golf cart and like there's a space helmet involved and it's just lovely. My memory of that entry is not actually a golf cart. It's like a Barbie convertible. I understand that that is not exactly what happened, but that is my memory of it, which I think explains a lot about how France works. <laughs> but like if nothing else it was some very memorable visuals without completely leaning on the french national identity anyways that's france 
Also happening today, uh, Norway announced acts and songs for their Melody Grand Prix. Ben, Ryan, you both had a chance to really dive into the songs and the videos uh, that were released. Uh, do you want to talk about them? Yes. So I, I did a very bad job of trying to sell Switzerland. I do a very good job of selling any of the Nordic nations. Norway and Sweden tend to have some of the pop songwriting powerhouses. And it was nice to see that on Norway's slate this year, which they have, I think, like 10 or 11 tracks they're going to be vying for the public's votes later in March. It looks like March 10, just sort of getting it right down to the deadline. Among the pack this year, we have Alexander Ryback, who represented them in 2009 and had, prior to the complete switch-up of scoring a few years ago, the highest ever points total. Uh, we have Stella Mwangi, who... I thought was like a really great follow-up after Alexander Ryback and was resoundingly proven to not be a thing that Europe was ready for. And then Alexander Wallman, who was part of the duo Joust last year, that that I thought deserved to place a little bit better than it did. Just looking over the slate this year, the thing I like about it is just the variety that there that there is. There's a lot of different sounds represented. There's a lot of different music represented. Ryan, before I dig into some of my favorites, what did you like from this slate? I need for every single person who is listening to this podcast, which might be like three of you, but still, I need everyone to go and do a YouTube search for Alexander Ryback, R-Y-B-A-K. His song is called That's How You Write a Song. Like, this song is what the Eurovision Song Contest is about for me. I cannot tell whether I love it or I hate it. It is so bad. I don't know if it's just bad or if it's good. Like, I cannot figure out what I think about this song yet. I am so glad that they that he has entered in this year's contest. His previous song in 2009, right? Fairy Tale, as Ben mentioned, was incredibly high scoring. There was a moment after that that he put out a whole album of songs that sounded exactly like Fairy Tale. This does not sound anything like that. Yeah, like I listened to it and maybe I need to just listen to it again and my brain will finally make up its mind about what it wants to do with it. But I'm just like, okay, but why is there a disco beat? That doesn't sound, why, why is it not him playing his violin more? Admittedly, my first thought was, who included the interval act on this playlist? Because it is a, it is a song about writing a song. Yes. And, and can, I, can I quote you some actual lyrics as a way to maybe convince you to go listen to this? Oh, please do. <laughs> These are actual <laughs> lyrics. Step one, believe in it and sing it all day long. Step two, just roll with it. That's how you write a song. <laughs> like, case closed <laughs> i feel like there are considerably more steps here in the process yeah of doing no that. there are two steps there are one step is you sing to yourself which you're in most u.s cities you might be looked at sideways for people would move away from you on the bus for doing that Two, just roll with it that's how you write a song like what also there's I mean, in, fa in fairness calling it that's how you write a song is a much better title than that's how you make someone move away from you on the bus <laughs> it's true it's true. But also there's like scatting, like fake scatting. It's not even good scatting, right? Like oh, no. <laughs> it's like, I do not re I do not remember the fake scatting at all. Okay, well, I think my brain just shut off after like the disco beat and some of the lyrics and that I just like glided through the re the rest of the 3 minutes. Well, so here's the other piece of this Ben. You might not have been listening to the extended version. The scatting might only be in the extended version of the song. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like I Oh, you had me you had me an extended version because those are always better. <laughs> it's like it's only like it's three minutes and like thirty-six seconds or something. It's only an extra thirty seconds. The other thing that you should know about Alexander Ryback is that he's a violin player 
and he restrains himself. He's like a very enthusiastic violin player as well. And he restrains himself from playing the violin until almost the end of the song, which I was like, is he even going to? Yes, he is going to play the violin. Okay, that's fine. I, I just like I cannot tell if this song needs to like win the contest or if this is yet another song that's going to like fall in the scrap heap of Eurovision history. And that is why I love Eurovision so much. It's because of songs like this. Like, again, like, I'm still processing how I feel about that song. I come to the Alexander Ryback show to watch him play his violin. So to me, like, this, like, he needs to play the violin in the song more. Um, but of the other entries, the other one that was surprising for me was not any of, like, the returning people. Because I think that I thought, well, of, of the other returning people, let's just start there. I thought that Alexander Wallman also had a, a decent number. It felt a little, like, Justin Timberlake, Rock Your Body, Light but in a good way. That was another one where it wasn't like a carbon copy of the song he was on last year, but I thought it was good. I thought that Stella's song was only okay. It, it did not make me feel the same way as like uh, Haba Haba did. Well, it's Stella and Alexandra. I don't feel like necessarily Alexandra's maybe bringing a lot to the table. Yeah, she's really not. Also, can, can, I, just <laughs> give a, can I give a quick plug for Scandalove? This group scandal. Oh, I was just I was just about to go there because go there. The, the the main surprise for me was Ida Maria. Because I remember probably about 2008, 2009, because I believe I was still finishing up undergrad at the time. I think I think it had to have been that like her album came into the campus radio station where I was working doing doing a show at the time and really dug it. It was it was Rocklet in a very, very pop way. She's clearly having a lot of fun with herself. There were songs with, with tracks like I, I I Like You So Much Better Than When You're Naked. Definitely uh, look up her stuff. It, it's really, really, really good stuff. This is this track that she's doing for for the Melody Grand Prix is much more pop than than either of those songs. Anything I was familiar with her with, but it has sort of that same spirit where she's clearly having a lot of fun lyrically. She's not taking herself seriously at all, and it is just a wonderfully goofy song about how good lovers Scandinavians make. I need to understand, though, when she asks, can you make love like a Scandinavian? What does that mean? I need to know what this means. <laughs> I'm sure there's a definition for it, because uh, I, I learned at Eurovision last year that there's like uh, the Scandinavian way of ordering beer is just to plan on double fisting so that you don't have to wait in line. So, <laughs> so it's very efficient. But yeah, but no, like I just loved this track and like really just the fact that I immediately just Imp just the fact that it immediately imprinted on me means that it's it's too awesome to potentially win i think it feels like it has a very narrow audience because it is all about why you should love a scandinavian but i like there were oh and there was like one other track that was like entirely norwegian that i thought was very beautiful felt kind of a monsters in many which admittedly that's more of the icelandic's territory so just let them do it but like if if i was the only person picking norway's entry i would pick Ida maria like right away and then they would immediately get knocked out in the semifinal. The last country that is doing stuff this week is Armenia. They are doing their Depi Evreitzel. I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Format again this year. And which is kind of like the voice, just with a lot more winnowing down uh, of singers. And they are releasing the songs five per day this week. So we're recording this on Monday. Five of, five of the songs have been revealed so far. Uh, there'll be five more going through Thursday, I, I believe. So 20 songs total. And their final scheduled for February 24th. I haven't heard anything yet about when semifinals or any uh, any of the earlier rounds are actually getting scheduled. So like a fun misinterpretation that I made when I when I was looking over our show notes today was 
I somehow assumed they they had five songs and they were revealing one per day this week. No, they were revealing five per day this week, which means there are twenty five songs. Right. Although I think I think it's only going through Thursday, so hopefully there's only twenty. I I don't know. Their 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 process is a little mysterious this year. They're they're not revealing a whole bunch of details ahead of time. Yeah, that pretty much takes us through all of the Eurovision moves this week. The last topic that we wanted to kind of touch on uh, for kind of getting into selection season is talking about what selection processes we're most looking forward to. Since we do watch the streams on our Saturday and Sunday afternoons, there are certain processes that we're really locked into. So uh, Ben, which selection process are you most looking forward to this year? I've only started in the past few years starting to watch the actual selection processes because I suddenly realized, wait a minute, there's like 10 other songs I could have checked out and learned more about in terms of this country's sense of pop music. And one that really always stands out to me is Sweden. And I mentioned this earlier in the show, but like Sweden and Norway these days are the powerhouses of pop songwriting. Anybody who's anybody, even even in American pop, goes over to, to Sweden to do writing sessions. And Sweden does, I think, one of, compared to, uh, with the exception of maybe like a Lithuania, one of the longer processes where they do Melody Festivalen, which is six weeks, where you have seven entries each week. Two automatically go through to the final, two go through to a second chance round. So you do that for five weeks, and then you have a sixth week of those second chancers, a seventh week of let's pick the final from this, and they're all really good. Like last year, I actually bought the Melody Festival an album because there were so many bangers. Also, it's just they they write the best goofy, this is never going to make it, but this is still very entertaining entries like Road Trip from last year which was still in my Spotify playlist for my workplace, and it cheered me up every time it came on. Nice. Didn't that one make it to the second chance round? It did. It made me. It, it warmed my heart that, that Sweden loved it enough to give it a second chance. Awesome. Uh, Ryan, which process are you most looking forward to? So I kind of have two. The one is Norway, just because, as you heard my excitement about this Alexander Ryback song. I, but I also think, just in general, they have six pretty good songs. Um, I've been pretty happy with what Norway's done the last couple of years. I'm also really excited for Latvia's process, Supernova. One of the reasons I'm excited for that is Aminata has a song. She's composed a song that's in this year's contest, which I cannot wait to hear. Aminata was Latvia's entry in 2015. She was one of my favorite songs of that um, contest. Her song was called Love Injected. And then the next year, she wrote a song that someone else sang. His name was Eustace, and he sang it. Uh, and I'm forgetting the name of it now. What was the name? Heartbeat. Uh, Heartbeat. Heartbeat. Yes, thank you. And then last year, Latvia did not make the final. Um, I actually liked their song. It, I didn't get make it for I think for several reasons. Anyway, so she is back in the in the um, selection process this year. So I'm very excited to keep an eye on Supernova from Latvia and from and on Norway's um, Melody Grand Prix. Awesome. Yeah, the process I'm most looking forward to is Hungary's Adal, which I believe translates to the song. I think Hungary's kind of cracked the code on how to do an effective selection process. It's, I think it's like 30 songs end up competing over the course of the season. There's three heats of 10 songs each, and then those get whittled down into two semifinals and then one final. But it's a combination of having the songs kind of publicly vetted before being selected as a finalist, but not kind of over vetting the way that Lithuania's process does, where it's just like, oh, I've heard this song like 
15 times and it's still only the semifinals. It's like you hear it like two or three times before it gets to the end and, and hearing it in different contexts. So depending on where each song falls into a running order, you get to hear it before and after a different type of song and really kind of compa- compare and contrast. And yeah, and this format's been very successful uh, for Hungary. They've had, I believe, three top 10 finishes since uh, adopting this format uh, back in 2012. And they've made it to the final ever since they've started using uh, this format. So uh, and that process, I believe, starts this Saturday. Really looking forward to that one uh, getting off the ground. All right. Uh, yeah. Any final thoughts? Oh, I'd say if there are any other listener questions, since we got the one and it's really great for helping orient things for not helping orient something that we're very intimately familiar with, with, with a non-familiar American audience, send them away. Absolutely. You can send those to us through our Facebook page or our Twitter or comment on the post for this. Or if you want to email it to us, uh, ESC at what else is on dot TV. Any other parting thoughts? Yay, Eurovision! Yay! Yes, the season is finally upon us. Excellent. That's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is a production of WhatElseIsOn.tv. Our Eurovision News and Research Division specialists are Ryan Grizel, Mike McComb, and Ben Smith. Follow our coverage of the 2018 Eurovision Song Contest at our website, eurovision.whatelseison.tv You can also catch us on social media at EuroWhat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to contact us by email, we can be reached at esc at whatelseison.tv We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on iTunes and Google Play. While you add the subscription, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. We'll be back with more Eurovision updates next week.